This is Tony Roth, Chief Investment Officer of Wilmington Trust. You're listening to Capital Considerations, and we're back with Neil Sahoda in our second half of our conversation about artificial intelligence. You can go back, by the way, to the first episode for Neil's credentials, which are profound. I just want to say a couple of them, though. He is the CEO of ACSI Labs, where he focuses on cognitive research and technology development and improvement of human thinking, and a slew of other really impressive credentials, but he's deeply into the ecosystem of AI that is occurring both within government and within the private domain, which is, I think, why we picked Neil to be someone to to help us with the understanding of the definition of AI, the possibilities, and the limitations. So I think we've done a good job sort of laying out what AI is and isn't. And we ended the last episode with your example of social media creating an echo chamber and the idea that one of the things that AI could do is lead people to believe in fake news. That's something that applies to both sides of the political spectrum. Remind everybody that Wilmington Trust is nonpartisan and our our goal here is to try to suss out some of these risks, not to take a political stance on any individual risk. Let's get into that letter again. What it signifies to me more than anything is how fast things are changing. And so how fast do you think things are going to change over the next five years, let's say? And do you think that in five years from now, there are 5% of our workforce will have been displaced because AI will be able to undertake what they used to do? In addition to that, our lives will be different, hopefully better, because AI will be enhancing the quality of our lives in different ways. What's the future going to look like as we move forward? It's going to be an even more rapid pace of change, Tony. I, I think if I remember the latest World Economic Forum report, as of 2022, about 30% of tasks have been automated, like job tasks. By 2025, they're projecting that 50% will have been automated. So you've got a near doubling in just a couple of years right there. And if I remember correctly as well, the estimate was 120 million global workers will essentially need retraining because of AI systems picking up some of this work. We're not slowing down, we're moving faster because AI, generative AI particularly, has become the next big arms race, and not just for companies, but for governments. So everyone's trying to get out of the head of the curve. Companies are trying to push things out quickly to establish market dominance, obviously get an ROI. But governments also realize that they have to jump out for thought leadership as well as somebody's going to weaponize some of this technology. We better figure out how that's going to happen so we have the proper defenses or we're we're better at weaponizing it than they are. So, Neil, where do you see the clearest applications from a commercial standpoint, I suppose, is probably the right way to start. I'm operating university. I can fire all my professors and just put computers in the front of the classrooms. Is it... I'm running an investment organization and I can hire robots to pick the stocks in our equity portfolios? Or is it that I'm an accounting firm and I don't need accountants anymore? I can just load all the data into the machine and they can put together very complicated tax returns. Is it going to get to the point where I can roll a machine into the courtroom and I don't need lawyers anymore? Where does it stop or where are the greatest in the next decade applications? I don't know if we'll go full automation across to that level. We'll still need some lawyers and accountants and some of those things, but 
we're already on track for some of these things. H&R Block has an AI system that does, I think, 70% of their tax returns now. It knows every tax code, every tax law for every municipality, state, federal. Because of that, the average return prepared by the AI system has a refund of about $236 more because it can find some of those hidden or lesser known deductions. You talk about the courtroom. Well, China is using virtual courtrooms because they're space constrained, but they've developed an AI arbitrator. So they have an AI system that listens to 10,000 different arbitrations at the same time. That's helped them clear out their court backlog. Actually, Estonia has AI robot judges doing traffic court. They can do about 90% of the cases because they're pretty standardized, speeding or moving violation. So I have to be really careful not to drive in Estonia because when I get traffic violations, I, I do try to find a way to weasel out of them. And weasel is the right word, so I'm sure it would not work in Estonia. Uh, you're not going to get much sympathy from an AI robot judge. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I talked about the inflation problem that we have. We have in the United States 165 million workers. And I think these numbers are really fascinating, Neil. And we have a deficit relative to long-term trend of what's called 2 million workers. It's that deficit of only 2 million workers across the economy. It's mainly not in the white-collar space, but in the blue-collar space that is driving wage pressures. We got the employee cost index, the ECI, we get it every quarter. We got it this morning. It came in at 1.3%, higher than expected. If you multiply that by four, that was for the first quarter, you end up with 5.2% for the year. Wages are growing at 5.2% a year because for every job opening, we have only half a person looking for a job. So it's driving wages up. All we would need to do is replace three or four million people, let's just say, in the workforce. And all of a sudden, we're on the other side of that equation and we're driving wages lower. What do you think? What's the timeline? It's already happening, Tony. It's happening not just because of wage inflation, but some of these jobs, people just don't want to stick around for the work. You look at McDonald's. They're already converting their drive through systems to use AI chatbots to take your order. That's like one less person you have to staff, and the AI will capture the orders more accurately. It allows for more customization, and the AI will flash on the screen there to capture your order right. As investors, we really need to keep our eye on this because it's going to fundamentally change the kind of problem that we're confronting from an investing and an inflation standpoint. If it's going to happen as fast as you're prescribing, in a sense, or describing, and maybe our capital market forecast for next year needs to squarely take this challenge on of the impact of artificial intelligence on the economy. The hottest skill set right now is prompt engineer. And it is a huge, massive deficit. Everyone is looking for prompt engineers. And there's literally just a handful. What's a prompt engineer? Someone that works with AI systems like ChatGPT and actually prompts the production of work. So you actually have to be really good about what you ask for and making sure you're asking the right questions. Otherwise, the quality of the what gets produced by these AI systems is shoddy. So you don't ask right, you don't instruct right, you don't guide right, garbage in, garbage out. So maybe one of the reasons the 
the list of suggested questions to use today for our conversation was so, I think the word I used was anodyne, was because we didn't really ask it in a very edgy way. We just asked it in a very generic way and we got a generic set of answers. Could be. You talked earlier about winning in the space. Who is winning in the space? And from a cybersecurity standpoint, should we be concerned personally that someone's going to be able to learn about me and figure out what my passwords are and take all my money? Or should we be concerned that I'm going to be on an airplane with the pilot, but they're going to shut down the FAA systems because they're going to be able to figure that out through AI? Who's winning and what are the concerns for us as a sort of somewhat organized society? Definitely open AI right now is the front runner. That is for sure. And they're a private company, just so everyone understands. They started off as a nonprofit, but they actually switched to a for-profit a little over a year ago. They're the guys that developed Dolly 2 and ChatGPT, the stuff that everyone is using right now. So they're winning. And when I think about technology across the board, I think of the U.S. as being a leader, hands down. I mean, there are areas like NVIDIA, which is a Dutch company. They may be the leader in terms of developing, as I understand it, hardware microchips for AI. That's just one example. Are there countries that you think are leading other countries? Is the U.S. at the forefront of this? Or are we behind on this relative to our dominance on, in other areas that we had established over the years? The realistic answer is that the U.S. is not the forefront. China has actually done a really good job in actually fueling their AI kind of wave. They've invested hundreds of billions of dollars, not just in companies and startups, but they've also made huge investments in education. They crank out 600,000 data scientists a year with PhDs. China, when it comes to AI and healthcare, is really advanced because they basically collected all the data and created a repository to make it available for all these companies to use and train their systems on. Nobody else really has anything like that. China's up there. Singapore has made huge investments as well. So has the UK, Canada. Canada's even turned Montreal and Toronto into municipal hubs. The training, the funding, the promotion of these companies. It's not like US is way, way behind, but we're definitely not the forerunner when it's coming to these things right now. Not across the board, at least. Would you infer that our defense apparatus, if you will, is behind and at risk relative to whether it be China or Russia, et cetera? It's possible. They don't have a full look behind the curtain, so to speak. The U.S. government has done a great job of trying to keep on top of this. The DOD and all that's made huge investments into this, but it's tough to say. I think the news just came out yesterday. They found one of the Russian drones shot down. They were looking at it. They found all this proprietary technology, which then they realized they think they got it from Iran, who had captured a drone like five years ago. So I think there was some surprise by this level of sophistication of this Russian drone as a result. As we know, it's a never-ending arms race, especially when it comes with government versus government. But I think the bigger challenge is that we definitely have a talent deficit when it comes to exploiting this technology. Let's just pivot back to the areas where we can see the most dramatic and beneficial applications for a moment. So we've talked about accounting and we've had a conversation in the first episode about 
autonomous driving and such. But systematically, where do you think the best applications are for the greatest benefits, if you will, for humankind around AI in the next five or 10 years? If we're talking about like social benefits, then healthcare, food production, food safety, and education are really the top three areas. I've worked with farmers in like Bangladesh and Malawi using some of these tools and using less water, topsoil, a lot of stuff, they're able to produce about 30% more crops. So the ability to grow an abundance of food, create more cash crops to bring more money to the community is totally feasible. We're already putting out more educational tools like AI tutors, people that don't have access to universities or even a good K through 12 school. There's some things we can do to supplement that so students have an opportunity to learn and, and learn things that they would like to learn without having to rely on having teachers that are knowledgeable and experienced in some of those subjects. And then, of course, healthcare, it's, it's a global challenge with the aging population. But we've been able to take even very rural hospitals and upgrade the quality of care to that of like a big city by supplementing some of these AI tools for doctors and nurses, not replacing them, but giving them those tools. So there's a wealth of benefits that can be created and in some cases are being created. They're often though not the sexy stories we tend to hear in the news. That's really important to recognize that there are so many places where AI is impacting our lives already that we don't recognize. Healthcare, I think, also is one of the most interesting and richest areas from what I've read and understood. And diagnostics specifically is one of the applications within healthcare, whether it's collecting a set of information and identifying early on an illness or disease, et cetera, that a patient may have. Or another application is radiology. A friend of mine who's a radiologist said, you know, I'm glad I've only got another 10 years of my career because I can't compete with some of these computers that can come in and can read a, a film and see things better than he can already. And again, we're, we're not trying to replace everybody, but we've already seen AI systems that can detect lung cancer from x-rays at a 90% success rate. Whereas you benchmark it against the human, it's 50%. That's marginally better. But I think that's one of the things we're looking at. Look at pharmaceuticals. You've got a, a lot of companies out there now investing heavily in AI drug discovery tools. You give it some information about the disease and other things, and it can formulate different molecules and bindings and then simulate which of these might be the most effective. Or even at a precision level, might be dosage we might be most effective for certain genders, ethnicities, but it's radically cutting down time and cost. It's cutting down cost to a degree that diseases that are a little bit more rare, suddenly it's becoming cost effective to develop pharmaceuticals for them. So our ability to actually treat more diseases will should expand out. What's so fascinating is that AI could do so much good in terms of performing tasks that humans would have to labor at and performing tasks that humans really aren't that good at or aren't perfect at or couldn't do on their own. Where do you think it goes in a longer period of time than five years? Are we at risk that we have a population on this planet of X billions of people and we don't have enough jobs for them to fulfill because so many things will be able to be accomplished? 
by AI, or is it like robotics that as the productive output of the supply chain increases and, and evolves, we'll find new things for people to do to support it and to tackle new problems and challenges that come along? It's another inflection point. If I remember right, the World Economic Forum said that by the end of the decade, 97 million new jobs, jobs that never existed before, will enter the economy, fueled by this technological growth we're talking about. Global economy. economy, right. Some jobs will get lost, some new jobs will get created. That's what always happens with you know, these kinds of you know, industrial revolutions, if you will. The challenge we have, I think, is twofold. One is obviously getting the future generations ready, but also retraining the current workforce. And the problem we have is everyone thinks like, well, we got 15, 20 years to do this. The truth is we probably have four or five years to really start getting people ready for those new jobs. And we know some people, unfortunately, will get left behind. The second thing, though, is historically throughout human history, every time we've had kind of this inflection point, people have been really good about rising to the challenge. We're going to take on that next set of more complicated value-add type of work. This time around, though, I'm hopeful we'll do that. We've also never had so much entertainment in our lives before, like other things to do than work. And I call it 50-50 that we'll either rise and take ourselves to that next level, or we're all going to wind up spending our time binge-watching Yellowstone. It's a really fascinating observation and I was going to make a similar kind of observation, but I wasn't sure that where I'd take it. And it's simply that you can imagine a world where people don't need to work anymore, in a sense, for a couple of reasons. One is that AI is fulfilling so many human tasks, and humans can anesthetize themselves and entertain themselves with consumption off of a small little screen. What they need in order to be some acceptable level of fulfillment is potentially delivered in a much less extensive way, which is scary in and of itself, obviously, but maybe that's where we're going. It's almost like that movie Wally. If you've ever seen it, how humanity kind of devolves because everything is taken care of by AI systems. Everyone just kind of floating around in these chairs, eating and being entertained. Unfortunately, that's the future I can see. I hope that doesn't happen, but I can see it. A lot of concerns, a lot of worries for the children, right? The grandchildren. We're going to have to end here, but for me, this conversation has really driven home the profound opportunity set for investors in AI and that we need to really be challenging ourselves as an investment organization to make sure that we are really fleshing out those opportunities and we're thinking about where the best entry points are for capital at each stage of that supply chain, if you will, of AI so that we're maximizing our opportunity. And that's what we're going to be doing at Wilmington Trust. So Neil, thank you for a really terrific set of conversations here. It's one that I'd like to repeat at some point periodically, if you'd be willing, because I think that taking stock of the development and the pace going forward is going to be really important. Thanks for having me on, Tony. I would love to be on with future discussions with you. It was a great conversation and hopefully informative for a lot of people enough for me at least to get really better oriented and i hope our listeners will agree so thanks everybody for listening today wilmingtontrust.com for a complete roundup of our latest take on the economy and the markets and how we're responding in portfolios 
Thanks, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the sale of any financial product or service or recommendation or determination that any investment strategy is suitable for a specific investor. Investors should seek financial advice regarding the suitability of any investment strategy based on the investor's objectives, financial situation, and particular needs. The information on Wilmington Trust's capital considerations with Tony Roth has been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but its accuracy and completeness are not guaranteed. The opinions, estimates, and projections constitute the judgment of Wilmington Trust as of the date of this podcast and are subject to change without notice. The opinions of any guest on the Capital Considerations podcast who are not employed by Wilmington Trust or M&T Bank are their own and do not necessarily represent those of M&T Bank Corporate or any of its affiliates. Wilmington Trust is not authorized to and does not provide legal or tax advice. Our advice and recommendations provided to you is illustrative only and subject to the opinions and advice of your own attorney, tax advisor, or other professional advisor. Diversification does not ensure a profit or guarantee against a loss. There is no assurance that any investment strategy will be successful. Past performance cannot guarantee future results. Investing involves a risk, and you may incur a profit or a loss. Any reference to company names mentioned in the podcast should not be constructed as investment advice or investment recommendations of those companies. Third-party trademarks and brands are the property of their respective owners. Third parties referenced herein are independent companies and are not affiliated with M&T Bank or Wilmington Trust. Listing them does not suggest a recommendation or endorsement by Wilmington Trust. Private market investments are only available to investors that meet the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission's definition of qualified purchaser and accredited investor. Facts and views presented in this report have not been reviewed by and may not reflect information known to professionals in other business areas of Wilmington Trust or M&T Bank and may provide or seek to provide financial services to entities referred to in this report. M&T Bank and Wilmington Trust have established information barriers between their various business groups. As a result, M&T Bank and Wilmington Trust do not disclose certain client relationships or compensation received from such entities in their reports. Investment products are not insured by the FDIC or any other governmental agency, are not deposits of or other obligations of or guaranteed by Wilmington Trust, M&T Bank, or any other bank or entity, and are subject to risks including a possible loss of the principal amount invested. Wilmington Trust is a registered service mark used in connection with various fiduciary and non-fiduciary services offered by certain subsidiaries of M&T Bank Corporation, including, but not limited to, Manufacturers and Traders Trust Company, M&T Bank, Wilmington Trust Company, WTC, operating in Delaware only, Wilmington Trust NA, WTNA, Wilmington Trust Investment Advisors, Inc., WTIA, Wilmington Funds Management Corporation, WFMC, and Wilmington Trust Investment Management, LLC, WTIM. Such services include trustee, custodial, agency, investment management, and other services. International corporate and institutional services are offered through M&T Bank Corporation's international subsidiaries. Loans, credit cards, retail and business deposits, and other businesses and personal banking services and products are offered by M&T Bank, member FDIC. Copyright 2023 M&T Bank and its affiliates and subsidiaries. 
all rights reserved.